Welcome to the Music of Bond, the James Bond podcast. From John Barry to Hans Zimmer and every note in between. Join us for an in-depth and at times provocative conversation about the best in 007 sounds. From Oscar-winning favourites to guilty pleasures. Hello there and welcome, welcome back to the Music of of Bond, for the love of music, for the love of Bond. Episode number two, The Living Daylights, deep dive, full album review. I am your co-host, JW, and I am joined today by none other than Chris Wood, Bond on Vinyl. Say hello, Chris. Hello, Chris. How are we doing? Excellent. Let's keep that going. Uh, You know, I love the fact that we have Chris and it's still (laughs) hello, Chris. Yeah. (laughs) And also joining us, uh, making his debut on the show, our man in Kentucky, uh, Logan Morford. Say hello, Logan. Hello. How's uh, you guys doing? You guys doing all right? Fan. Good, oh, good, yeah. good. Good to be back, you know? Good to be talking Bond. The three of us, what could go wrong? <laughs> three, three never works, by the way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. Never had the chance. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, we've got a huge show for everyone today. I mean, massive show. We've got a lot of ground to cover. And uh, we always want to leave, you know, leave it, leave you guys wanting more. So let's just dive right into it. Gentlemen, where is your Bond fanatical fandom these days? Since we've last spoke, what's happening in your Bond world? What are you listening to, watching, reading, buying, etc.? Logan. Well, actually, I just finished reading Live and Let Die as part of a um, James Bond book club uh, that I've been doing. <laughs> so it was nice to revisit that book. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I've gotten into it. And, um, and then I watched, um, been, been doing a deep dive on The Living Daylights to get ready for this discussion. Right on. Let me ask you this. Is Live and Let Die still a bit racy? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not one I would... Uh, it's not the first one I'd throw to the kids to read. Um, <laughs> it may not have aged well as some of the other Fleming literature. <laughs> That's fantastic. Chris, what about you? What's going on in your Bond world? I'm about halfway through Trigger Mortis oh, yeah. uh, at the moment. And do you know what? I'm, I'm not a fantastic reader. I struggle with reading, um, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm halfway through. Should have it polished off in the next couple of weeks, and um, I'm enjoying it. Is it generally looked upon as a good one? Just for my knowledge, is it? Does I think it go so. down well with the yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's I, I really enjoyed that one quite a bit. Yeah, I'm enjoying it, and obviously, I think it takes place straight after Goldfinger, so some of that visual stuff is already laid out for me in my mind. So I'm having an easy time visualizing everything. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I thought that was a really interesting concept to tell a story between two other stories in the Fleming world. Yeah. And Chris, you got to understand, talking to Logan, who's one of the most well-read, fastest readers on planet (laughs) Earth, he's the kind of guy that reads Bond and stirs soup at the same time. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes, literally. I think those Horowitz books are highly regarded. Uh, Yeah, oh, that's good to know. I I, I think that they've done very well, and most people in, you know, uh, the Bond world who read are really in you know, digging them. I thought they were fantastic. Oh, that's cool. Okay, well, it's yeah. good to know. Yeah, I'm Absolutely. enjoying it. What are you doing, John? Well, where are you? Man, I'll tell you what I did. I've been doing some credit card damage. 
Have you guys seen, I, speaking of books, I pre-ordered, have you seen this new Toshin XXL Dr. No book that you can pre-order? I saw I it. Was, yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah, the, the I, price as well. I laid down, I laid it down. Thank you. PayPal six months. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I did. I, I, so that's about it. That's where my fandom stopped, you know, yeah. um, um, being reminded on a monthly basis, uh, so uh, that thing looks incredible though. I mean, they have a day by day account of the production of the film. And when I was scrolling through the, uh, you know, examples, um, uh, that whole section on Jamaica and I just went, okay, that's it. Yeah. I think my with your tie like, to Jamaica as well, it's uh, a no brainer for you. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so are you trying to recapture the vibes of your recent golden eye experience by purchasing every this day? Every day. That's exactly what I do all day long. Rum in a hip flask. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, killer. Well, I'm glad to know that that bond flag is being waved high. Uh, Chris, over to you. Let's jump into the music of bond listener mailbag. What's happening on IG? Yeah, so we've had a few. To be fair, we put out a post ahead of this, uh, ahead of this episode, and we asked what everyone's favorite cue uh, from the Living Daylight soundtrack is. Um, and we've got tons. There's there's loads and loads and loads of feedback on that one. In fact, there's 42 comments in total. Um, some of the tunes, some of the cues are quite um, samey. Some of the same tunes are popping up, which is which is good. Um, some sneakies as well. Um, a lot of the favourites, to be honest, aren't featured on the um, on the soundtrack that we're reviewing. So the soundtrack as it is. Um, I think if we if we enter into the soundtrack review, I can maybe dip into some of these and um, and give you some of the comments. Absolutely, I think you know when we do an episode where we you know exclusively review the um, expanded tracks. Yeah. some of these albums, some of them are going to be better than others, and I think this one's probably going to be up there with the best. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. The, the expanded editions are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I remember before they did it on this, this one came out before the, the releases in 2000, I believe. And this was one that I've resequenced, you know, uh, in a playlist. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's phenomenal. Well, let's hear it. What are they saying? Well, we're getting a few. We're going, um, here's Brad Hansen Media. And he said, uh, I'm just happy John Barry went out with the Bond series with an absolute banger of a score. Wall to wall, it's sublime and hard to pick a favourite. Toys of Bond, really tough choice, as I adore this score. If we're talking the initial release soundtrack, then it's got to be Ice Chase for me. But thankfully, we've got the beauty that is Exercise at Gibraltar on the expanded CD release. So I think you're absolutely right. We need to dig into that. I think yes. it's, uh, it must be done. Right. That, that track is following the gun barrel. It's a great transition. It really is. It really is. It's um, amazing they left it off. I know. I know. And do you know what? Funnily enough, that's one of my notes as well, was that I think there's... When we get to the track on the album that I think could be replaced, um, I'll let you know. But I think there's there's a few here on the soundtrack album that could be swapped out, really, for, for exercise. But we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Um, and then we've got uh, John Barry's classic score, this one. Really, really positive feedback. To be honest, I'm struggling to find a negative comment on the Living Daylight soundtrack. So basically good all round from the Instagram side. I'm always amazed at 
how much love this soundtrack gets because it's pretty weird. You know, it's it's a definitely a departure. Uh, so I'm happy to hear that. You know, generally speaking, everyone loves this. Yeah, the soundtrack, yeah. right? Absolutely. I'm just I'm just reading another as you're speaking. Um, Damn mosquitoes has uh, commented and said the Living Daylight score is in my top two Bond soundtracks, along with You Only Live Twice, oh, which is wow. another banger. To be fair, good yeah. heavens, top right two, it's a wow. one, two, top two, and, top two. And who was that again? Dan Mosquito. Damn <laughs> underscore mosquitoes. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I take that. <laughs> Let's hear more from Dan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, damn, as in damn it. Oh, damn, damn, yeah. oh, they said Dan, okay, like, God. damn mosquitoes. I'm going to party with that guy. Sorry, it was my delivery. <laughs> Does he live in Florida? Um, yeah. uh, sp- speaking of hearing from you, Chris, we, you know, this is obviously, we want people to get involved. Yeah, and I know we're absolutely. Just, we're, we're just getting our legs here yeah. at Music of Bond. Where can people follow us and reach us? Yeah, super easy, two places. So on Instagram, at Music of Bond. And then via email as well, if you want to send us some photographs, um, send us some photos of your collection, uh, it's musicabond at gmail.com. Excellent. And we promise to have that Spotify playlist up sooner than later. I think today's so, episode requires a Spotify playlist. I, I think, think there's so going to be too. some overspill. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah, I don't have anything to listen to right now, guys. Let's get on that. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It's a done deal. Totally. All right. So, uh, you know, we didn't get a chance on our, our introduction episode to grill Mr. Logan Morford on the Bond Bullet questionnaire. So before we dive into this massive show, let's have a let's hear from Logan. Oh, man, this, this wasn't on my briefing. I don't know if I'm prepared. No, for this. I know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what do the James Bond film scores mean to you, Logan? Oh, man. Well, um, I work a lot and have a six-year-old daughter, so my time to watch the films proper a little limited these days. So the scores, the soundtracks are a way for me to enjoy the films in everyday life, driving around, at the grocery store, taking a walk. It's like squeezing a film in kind of on the go. Interesting. That's a good answer. It's it's a little bit more of an immediate injection, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, I may or may not like to pretend like I'm James Bond when I'm driving around listening to a score. <laughs> I think we're all guilty of that. Don't worry. That, that's, that's classic. Ah, that's so funny. Uh, well, when did, you, when did you first fall in love? Can you, do you remember what, what your first love? I don't. I, I, I was trying to, th- I thought about this question. I can't really pinpoint it. I, I think I've always associated... Uh, music with James Bond. Uh, it's the music is so strongly tied to those films, and it's. I, I don't remember a time when I just thought, you know what, I really like the music that's in these movies. Uh, it's always just been inextricably tied to it for me. Uh, so, the closest that I could come to pinpointing any one point in time actually had to do with a score that is not a Bond score. It was actually seeing the Incredibles for the first time. Oh, that's a cracker. Oh, yeah. And I thought, this sounds just like a James Bond score. I mean, there are moments in that film that are right out of Goldfinger. And 
I think it was then that I realized how much influence John Barry's body of work had on films as a whole, but the spy genre in particular. You can't yeah. not, you can't, uh, you can't do a spy film without some sort of nod to John Barry, and a Pixar cartoon film brought that home to me. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that has to be an episode. The incredible soundtracks. Oh, yeah. I, I would love to nothing more than to talk about the incredible soundtrack. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to add that to the list. Whenever my girlfriend Nellie's seven year old wants to watch one of those, you know, that kind of movie, a cartoon movie, that's the one I'm always vote for. You know, <laughs> if I'm going to sit through something, <laughs> a bit of sneaky bond. One. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah. Totally. Well, Logan, what's the first soundtrack, Bond soundtrack you ever bought? Thunderball. Thunderball on vinyl mm. was the first one I owned. Jesus. You do still you, have it? I do. I do, yeah. It nice. still sounds great. Nice. Do you, do you have any others on vinyl? Uh, I've got Goldfinger, um, You Only Live Twice. Um, nice. I. It's a goal of mine to, I need to get some of the Arnold scores on vinyl. Uh, that is a, yeah. a hole in my collection. Yeah. They're quite expensive as well, the the Arnold ones, because a lot of them are a limited run. Yeah. Being a Bond fan can be expensive. It really can. <laughs> yeah. You're telling Toshin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that casino, uh, 180 gram, like yeah. on gold vinyl or some pink vinyl. I can't remember. I just got it recently is ridiculous yeah that's the one um, you keep telling me about i believe i i've sent you links i, I like. tried to ignore them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh god logan favorite not to be confused with best bond soundtrack favorite uh it well it depends on the day right now if i had to pick favorite it would be majesties uh yeah i absolutely adore that score from start to finish and journey to Blofeld's hideout is maybe one yeah. of the most majestic things I've ever heard in my entire life. Mm. Um, I save that film for winter holiday. I try to watch it just once a year, uh, so that it retains some of its, you know, specialness. Um, and, uh, usually end up revisiting the score after I do that viewing and, uh, this year's viewing just confirmed it for me. I mean, it's just an absolute masterwork. I know it's, it's almost like, cause I know what you mean. Everyone, we all like to watch it at Christmas and it's almost like the adult version of opening gifts. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's going to be later at night. The world is asleep, you know, little Jack Daniels, little Guinness. Yeah, and you put that on, and it just takes you away, and it's just a, a wonderful. It's like the greatest holiday gift. Yeah, there, um, there's something in that score for everyone. I mean, you have uh, sneaky Bond, you have loungy Bond, you have a lot of the uh, Bond theme. Um, you've got the highly syncopated action uh, pieces that Barry liked to do. It's just everything is there, and I feel like. This is probably a conversation for an entirely different episode, but I do feel like the crew of the film really stepped up on that one and did something special on on Majesties. I I think that 
about that film just in general, but but Barry knocked it out of the park with that score. Without yeah. without sort of going off on a tangent, because I know we're going to talk about this in another episode, but just you know, as a a short comment, what are your thoughts on uh, No Time to Die using some of the inspo from Majesties? I almost cried in the theater. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> happy tears or happy tears? I I um I am not someone. I don't mind references to other films. No, and uh, I thought that that moment was. Uh, obviously we know a sign of things to come yeah in that film you know sort of the the plot inverted almost yeah uh, but also such a cool throwback to Barry I'm so glad you've said that because I I feel exactly the same way I thought it was used really tastefully it just enhanced the film it was tasteful is the perfect word it was really tasteful when that thing leaked and we all got a hold of it for about an hour and a half um you know and you heard that it just you went oh Jesus between that and seeing the final track title you know uh final ascent it's like you know uh foreboding a heavy film yeah totally well logan what what bond soundtrack do you listen to most often probably skyfall um Mm. and i don't really know what it is about that particular score but it seems to to find its way to my speakers uh more than any other score these days um especially the 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 opening sequence um is i think really powerful uh, i'm a i'm a thomas newman fan <laughs> oh no <laughs> on one. there was a reason i said we have to have this dude on the show uh, I'm, a, I'm a thomas newman fan and um uh <laughs> And, and and I know I said in my previous comments that I, I, I like when other Bond films are referenced, so it does not bother me that he references his own work heavily in the Spectre soundtrack. Um, <laughs> references or recycles. <laughs> it's, oh, here we go. Here we go. That's going to be the name of another episode. That's just <laughs> a, a matter of linguistics there. We'll, but uh, Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, I, I really do like uh, that score quite a bit. And, and that film... Um, uh, really resonated with me. Uh, I was really knocked out by that. And, uh, and that was actually my introduction to Thomas Newman. I hadn't, I hadn't really paid attention to anything that he had done before that. Interesting. Well, that's, listen, that's kind of a good segue into the next question. Dark horse, favorite bond soundtrack, the one you feel is most underrated. Ooh, that's a great question. This wasn't in the brief. I know, I know, on the spot. Can I say Spectre? Yes, that's what I was hoping you would say. Is it too (laughs) close? That was a perfect layup right there. Wittenberg. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It it, it is very similar to Skyfall, but um, man, there are some great moments on that score. It's dark. It's, It's not an uplifting score. Um, and you're telling me <laughs> <laughs> oh this is gonna be a fun one we gotta get we gotta queue specter up on it i know we we'll have to move that <laughs> one up in the queue weeks. um but i i think that that one uh i think that movie in general uh is a, is a dark horse and underappreciated i think the score uh because there were a lot of elements that were recycled 
probably uh, there's a lot of uh, knocks on it uh, for that reason. But I think there's enough original soundtrack material in there that uh, that is moving enough that uh, it's underappreciated. Everyone should go give that a right listen. Right on. Right on. I can't wait. Uh, Bond composer who would write the score to the soundtrack of your life. David Arnold. Without a doubt. It's the same man. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like our generation. Chris, what do you think about that? I mean, he is, isn't he? He's phenomenal, isn't he? Let's be honest. Um, under Barry for me is, is, um, is Arnold. But as I say, George Martin for me because of the Beatles tie, but I can completely appreciate why you'd say David Arnold. Yeah. I feel like he only got better too. Than Sir George Martin. <laughs> Than the Beatles producer. <laughs> wait, wait. Did you say George Martin got better, or? Oh, he, oh, sorry. I thought you said he was better. <laughs> no, I thought you said he got better. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. I thought my heckles go up then. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think George Martin did pretty good out of the gate. <laughs> he had an okay career. And so did so did so did David Arnold though. You know what I mean? Good. Yeah, God, of course. Come yeah, come yeah. on. Like, um, well, I know the answer to the next question. Thomas Newman, pro or con? We got pro on that. Logan, loungy bond or sneaky bond? Ooh, sneaky bond. There you go. Sneaky bond. Yeah, I, 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 I like some sneaky bond for sure. That uh, to me, that is the bond sound. You know, when I think of bond, like I was when we were talking about the Incredibles, there's a lot of sneaky bond yeah. moments in that score. And, and, and um, you know, you know, I think about from Russia with love and Goldfinger has maybe some of the most iconic sneaky bond soundtrack moments. Um, yeah, that's sneaky bond for me for sure. Excellent. Final question. And we ask that you take your misses into consideration when answering it. Are you team dirty love or team make it last all night? Oh man. <laughs> Can I go get a, another cup of coffee and skip this question? Can I, is neither a, is neither an option? Take the little blue pill. I'm gonna. <laughs> if I have to choose, I, I, oh, I see what you did there. That's good. Yeah. Uh, dirty love, team. Dirty love. All right. Speaks volumes. Excellent. Yeah. Well, there, there, there you go, folks. That is uh, our man in Kentucky. Logan Morford. All right, gentlemen, here we go. Off into what I call the main show, The Living Daylights, the soundtrack, Deep Dive. You know, this one's, this one's unique in the sense that, I mean, essentially we've got three uh, theme songs. And if you guys are in agreement, I say we dive into those three theme songs first, and then we can dive into, you know, the, the actual tracks, the score. Um, so let's go ahead and let's do that main theme aha they had six top 10 hits in 15 months think about that that's incredible that is pretty pretty amazing isn't it, it that's I mean, more than i've ever had in 15 months yeah, <laughs> yeah I, know. I don't know what i've done six times in 15 months um that's to me is absolutely amazing uh at any given period in time and you can see why they they chose uh, these guys, especially coming off the heels of what is that massive hit of View to a Kill. Um, and, I, you know, it's interesting because I feel like, and I could be wrong, feel free to push back, that whereas Duran Duran were 
were more known globally. I feel like AHA was a, a, a bigger hit of a band in Europe. Chris, what are your, I mean, what are your thoughts on sort of the popularity I mean, of AHA? I mean, from from a UK standpoint here, I would say Joanne Joanne are much uh, bigger than AHA. Mm -hmm. I would say if you asked, I would say point nine out of 10 people here would say they know Take On Me and that is AHA. That's um, it. Whereas I think if you asked the majority of people here to name a few Joanne Joanne hits, they'd name five or six. Yeah. Um, so I think I think Duran Duran are the bigger band here. I, I I think so too. I mean, they've got the top ten hits, or yeah. you know, the big the big hits uh, globally. I remember in the two thousands, Aha did like a series. Like I don't know, they played like ten or twelve shows at the House of Blues on Sunset Strip, and I had a friend of mine, and she went to every single one, and I was like, wow. wow. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't know about that. She also um, knows the back catalogue. Totally. So uh, the story goes, you know, obviously because of their popularity, John Glenn went to an AHA concert and, you know, he mentioned that, you know, everyone in the audience was 15 years old um, and it really wasn't his cup of tea, but he couldn't deny their popularity. Um, now, let it be said, I think we're all a fan of this song, right, Logan? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, I absolutely love this song. Yeah, I, I, you know, the sessions did not go well. <laughs> um, I, I love the song, so it's kind of tough to talk about in, in, on the show, but I, I learned that they uh, wrote the song uh, and, ref, you know, refused the offer to actually see the film before uh, writing the song. What do you guys think about that? Well, first of all, who... who who refuses to see a James Bond film? Right. I, yeah. You know, that strikes me as a little odd. I think if I was tasked with writing, uh, you know, all the songs that I've written have been on my own accord. I think if I was tasked with writing a song for a specific purpose, I would want as much context as I could have. For oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like two, two jump to mind for me, like Adele, Adele read the whole script in the bath mm. and the bath was yeah. cold by the time she got out. And McCartney as well. He asked for the book. So when he when he got tasked with the tune, he got sent the book and he read the book cover to cover. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think about my day and what I've got to do throughout the day. Okay, they've given me the opportunity to write a James Bond, you know, theme tune. And they say, would you like to see the, the, the film? Now, as important as groceries are, <laughs> I... I think I would forego going to the gym on that day. That would be a great excuse to not, you know, do whatever it is I needed to do. Pay rent. No, I'm going to, I'm going to push that off to the second. Yeah. Um, I think my well, response would you know, have been, yeah, that sounds great. Actually, I need to see all of the previous films. Can you set up a yeah. screening? Yes. Totally. I need the full totally. context of the film franchise. I mean, essentially what we're dealing with is a boy band at the height of their power, Right. Um, and so I think there was a lot of ego uh, involved. Here's what AHA had to say, quote, it was great. We were working with John Barry. The problem was he just wasn't working with us. <laughs> <laughs> and this is classic. I mean, here's what John Barry had to say after the fact. It was like playing ping pong with four balls. <laughs> they had attitude, which really didn't, uh, which I really didn't like at all. It was not a pleasant experience. Wow. Yeah. 
So there's John Barry's take. And this is what I think is very interesting in a rare candid moment uh, from Michael Wilson. He was quoted saying we were somewhat disappointed with the result. Oh, oh really? I haven't wow. heard that before. Interesting. You know, and so, I mean, you don't really hear, oh, uh, Michael uh, Wilson, you know, uh, it's all pretty even keeled when he's talking, you know, he's the man. So, God, it's kind of a downer, but, you know, I, I love this song with all my heart. And I think what we need to do, gentlemen, is let's have a listen.
Okay, that was The Living Daylights. I really, really enjoyed that one. And there's a few notes that I had, a few little sort of pinpoint moments in that that I think are just beautiful. The end bit where he says, a hundred thousand people, I'm the one they frame. But he has that kind of bluesy, I'm the one they... I just love that approach. I love the vocal on it. My only criticism would be, the lyrics don't really make a lot of sense. Um, and I am... I've got to admit, I am a lyric guy, and I think if you if you read them, they're kind of a little bit um, strung together. Is would be my thoughts there. Um, love the brass, love the little stabs. I like how the '80s production of the um, kind of syncopated drums works with the brass. I think they they don't sound like they clash in any way. All in all, I really like it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the this is a, a incredible Bond theme song, and I I love the production. I mean, it sounds like it was produced. I mean, it sounds like it's produced in the 80s, but it's not unlike A View to a Kill. It just still sounds like it was used with technology of today. Um, yeah. I love that great 80s bass line, and there's that little drum roll that they do, which yeah. I think is, is super cool. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorites, and I would say it, it leans more into the top half of, you know, my favorite Bond theme songs. Uh, you know, uh, one question I'm curious, you guys, do you think this is a better song than A View to a Kill? I would say View to Kill is the better song, mm-hmm. um, but I prefer this. I prefer this one, personally. Okay, so we're unanimous that, that View to a Kill pulls out in the front a little bit. Logan, what are your thoughts on this track? I really like this track. I love that it's upbeat. I love an upbeat Bond theme song. I don't want to take anything away from the power ballads. I love, you know, uh, All Time High is great. <laughs> Skyfall is great. But I I like a little energy in, in my Bond theme song, and I think this brings it. It's a good way of put, putting it. Totally. There's there's a lyric in it as well, which, which I think is really... Um, I know I've just sort of knocked the lyrics. I don't mean to knock the lyrics. All I'm saying is I think it could be a little bit better. But there they're is vague, a line, right? Yeah, they're very vague. They're vague. Yeah, but there yes. is a line that I really like, which is the living's in the way we die. I think that's like a classic Bond line. It's it's sort of similar to sort of uh, used to say live and let live. It kind of plays on itself a little bit. You, you know, it, it looks good written down, if that makes sense. Do you think the sort of ambiguous, vague lyrics might be a symptom of when you try to shoehorn in a Fleming reference title. Yeah. Not unlike Thunderball. Yeah. You know, um, you know what we've, I'm sure we've all had that discussion before about what, what is Thunderball? Like, how do you, how do you work (laughs) that into a, into a lyric, you know? And I think this might be a little bit the same, although I think maybe viewing the film would have helped the lyrical content of the song. Yeah. It certainly wouldn't have hurt. And I I can only imagine the pressure of someone saying, you're right, here's a really strange word, you know, make a theme song. But at the same time, you know, guys, it feels like, I mean, these guys are British, right? And they, they obviously at that point in history were very familiar with Bond. And that they're Norwegian. Norwegian, excuse me. Oh, Lord have mercy. Let the, 
hate mail start. I apologize <laughs> to the Norwegians <laughs> out there. I'm Swedish, so I'm screwed no matter what happens. Um, <laughs> Florida, mercy. Do me a favor. Do not cut this part out. Uh, let me get the egg off my face. Um, European. Uh, yeah. they, you know, I mean, at this point, most of planet Earth is familiar with James Bond, right? I mean, the films of James Bond. So they had to have some frame of reference in writing absolutely. the song. You know, we're, um, we're, we're talking late 80s. Bond's absolutely massive at this stage. Yeah. Huge. There's no excuse. Yeah, Totally. And it was really in the limelight, given that it was, you know, a new bond. That was a big deal. So, uh, well, I think we're all in agreement that uh, these guys wrote, you know, it's a phenomenal theme song. And it's a shame that sort of the higher ups, you know, the people behind the scenes uh, weren't happy. And, you know, everyone didn't get along. But uh, that's show business. <laughs> Can I just say as well, for, for anybody that wants a newfound appreciation of that tune... Um, in lockdown, I found, uh, I stumbled on AHA Live on MTV Unplugged. God knows how, but I did. And do you know what? It took a global <laughs> pandemic. Is that what? Yeah. It probably was. It was pandemic brain. But do you know what? It's a fantastic listen. Um, not least for, they do a beautiful um, stripped down version of Daylights with strings. The arrangement is gorgeous. Um, and I remember, I know it's like a common phrase, but people say that if you can strip a song down and play it acoustically, that's the measure of a good song. Um, and I think if you listen to Daylight stripped in this in this way, it genuinely sounds beautiful. So I implore everyone to head on to Spotify, Apple Music, listen to AHA, uh, MTV Unplugged. They also do some of their other hits. Um, uh, Sun Always Shines on TV, big 80s hit, that's stripped down lovely. Um, and they do The Killing Moon as well. So for any of those Donnie Darko fans, um, there's a tune on The Killing Moon um, by... Uh, sorry, The Killing Moon is the song by Echo and Bunnyman. Echo Man. and the Bunnyman, yeah. Yeah, and Ian McCulloch comes on and plays it with them. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a really... Honestly, it's a really cool listen. And whatever your preconceived thoughts of AHA are, that they will literally go out the window if you watch this. Um, listen to it and watch it. There's a beautiful recording of it as well um, online. So... If you do anything, just type in Living Daylight's uh, MTV Unplugged version and have a listen to it stripped back. Chris, I, you know what? I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, why don't we, you know, at the end of the show, play that? Why don't we hijack that somewhere and yep. play it at the, the tail end of the show for everyone to enjoy? It'll be a lovely way to end. Perfect. Stay tuned for that, folks. Um, all right. Two more theme songs. Chrissy Hind, the legendary lead singer of the pretenders uh was also announced uh to be involved in the music of this film they had 10 top 40 hits in eight years uh uh i don't know how else to say uh you know what what do you say about chrissy hine other than from what i've you know has been a music fan she was extremely well respected uh you know, by Dylan and by, you know, all of the titans of rock. She always seemed to be around, and I know she was on the London punk rock scene. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm going to be careful what I say because I don't want her to come after me. You know, she's, <laughs> she's, she's that kind of uh, broad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, guys, what, I mean, your knowledge of Chrissy Hine prior to Living Daylights? Minimal. The most recent Glastonbury 
festival, so last year's Glastow, um, the Pretenders played, and they did sort of all the big hits that you'd expect. They did um, Back on the Chain Gang. But there was a beautiful moment where I was watching Chrissy Hind, and, and Chrissy Hind now is phenomenal. Her voice hasn't faltered at all. She's yeah. absolutely perfect live. Anyway, she, she calls on a good friend, none other than Johnny Marr. So Johnny Marr comes on and does the big, the iconic riff on Back on the Chain Gang. And I'm sitting there watching it on TV thinking, oh, this is really cool. There's two sort of Bond contributors on stage. And then Chrissy Hine goes, all right, everybody, look to the left. Paul McCartney's watching them. And then I had that little moment where I thought, there's three huge Bond contributors here sharing the stage. Do you know what I mean? In different different uh, eras, obviously, but three huge contributors to Bond all together. So my feedback on on um, Chrissy Hind is she's she was phenomenal then and she's phenomenal now. Um, but I do not like her contribution to Daylights. Ooh, good heavens! First Thomas Newman. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, guys. God. What are we? Okay, well, let's get. God, my lord! I could have sugarcoated that one a bit more. Sorry, guys. Well, wow. should we listen to the song? Wow, then? look at that. That's good. That's entertainment right there. This is good <laughs> listening, folks. Because there's nothing worse than a podcast where everyone agrees. <laughs> um, wow. Our, well, okay. Let's uh, well, let's dig into that then. Um, you know, Barry announced two more songs. Where has everybody gone? And then the second track was called Where Have I Seen You? Uh, that would later be changed based on Barry's love theme uh, to If There Was a Man, which they played over the film's end. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of both these songs. Um, Logan, I mean, what, uh, let me check in with you real quick. You know, what's your temperature on these two tracks? Um, well... I got polar opposite takes on these. Where is everybody gone? I could see this have been like the theme song for the film. Mm. Um, wow. I really like it. I also think it's absolutely brilliant that it was source music in the film and served as the henchman's theme. Um, it, I, I, I'm trying to think of another film you know, out of all 25 where we have seen something similar to that. And I don't think we have, um, it just makes Necros that much more menacing that he has a song. Yeah. You know, that he is not only listening to, but is also woven into the theme. It almost makes him bigger than the movie. Right. I mean, it's like not even bond is listening to his own theme song when he's, you know, jumping around and stuff so i think it's very cool i i like the song quite a bit um you know i think lyrically uh it doesn't if you take it line by line i'm not sure that you get much out of it uh reading through it you get a sense that they are almost sort of building a vibe of a person uh there are themes in it that I think are consistent with what we think about with James Bond and the type of life that he lives. Um, so, you know, obviously where has everybody gone? The title of it, there's a lot of sort of this idea of being on your own, uh, faceless crowd. Where can I belong? Where's my support now? Um, 
and I think we get a lot of that with Bond, right? I mean, we've in recent years especially seen him going rogue. Um, but there is this idea of sort of you have a mission and you're on your own, you know. And um, so I, f- I feel like these lyrics really do kind of hit the mark with the character uh, of James Bond. Um, and I think, again, it's got that upbeat quality. It's a pretty rocking song. Gets top marks from me. Oh, thank God. I mean, it's certainly one of the better themes for one of the more uh, indestructible headphone cords, right? I mean, I, where, how can that happen, right? What is that made from? You know, because <laughs> I remember the 80s breaking my headphone cord quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I, I love that he's got a baddie theme and a love theme. And I love the idea of having, you know, two artists, you know, a la Katie Lang and Cheryl Crow and, um, you know, and whatnot. I, I love multiple artists on the soundtrack. I think that's very cool. So I'm a fan. Um, Chrissy Hines had this to say, I wouldn't even bother seeing a gung-ho sort of movie at the time of its premiere in 1987. Quote, but this is about a guy getting his job done end quote. And I think, you know, that to me is more of the spirit of Bond than what AHA did. Um, So, you know, uh, John Barry was smitten with Chrissy, said that she was lovely um, and that he adored working with her. Um, She said that, uh, you know, he... She really loved uh, Barry's uh, cool reserve. Uh, in the case of this James Bond film, when I heard Barry's music, I just loved the music. It kind of inspired me, really. I felt I could sing something to it. So there's a lot of uh, mojo happening here uh, in mm. these tracks. Um, and I think what we have to do is let's have a listen to them and see if maybe we can turn the tides with Chris's Thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. Great pleasure, I sing your national song. 
no time at all. have it folks where has everybody gone i love that 80s guitar you can almost see the shade of blue that that guitar is <laughs> you know uh i can almost see the mullet <laughs> that's exactly it you know the jacket the shirt the whole thing is there winking at you um uh you know this is one of those tunes that like once it's in your head it's in your head for the, the remainder of the day uh, at one point when we were watching it, uh, you know, here recently for the show, my girlfriend was like, do you like this? And I was like, uh, is this one of those moments, you know, you shouldn't lie to your girlfriend, but you know, I feel like I was tested and I was like, yeah, I dig it. And she goes, I'm not going to be able to not hear it for the rest of the day. <laughs> and I went, okay. Yeah. What did, yeah. What did Nelly think of it? She, I, I think she ended up liking it. She ended up digging it, but right. there was a moment where you know, I think she was struggling with like the collar on Timothy's black leather jacket, you know, like yeah. tremendous, like that thing's, you know, it's got its own postal code. Um, <laughs> Chris, in, in an all serious now, you know, I'm, we're here to discuss this. What, yeah. what is it that doesn't resonate with you? Okay. Is it? Yeah. So I, I absolutely love the melody. I love all the instrumentation. And like when you hear it, when you hear the tune isolated, it's like, um, I think there's a little bit of it in In Flight Fight. Fight. Um, yeah, when it's isolated and there isn't Chrissy on it, I know this sounds so bad, but I just think it's so much better. And then when I hear it with Chrissy on it, I think it just spoils it slightly for me. I find it. it a little bit cheesy, a little bit cheddar cheese, yeah. but that's just yes. me. I mean, there's no doubt about it if the, the there's some cheddar cheese throughout yeah. the 80s bond. I mean, you know, I, don't get me wrong, all-time high, all-time favorite. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, outside of bond, your grandmother wouldn't listen to that crap. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's, it's pretty good until Jarvis Cocker comes in over the top with it, which we'll get to eventually. <laughs> um, uh so I, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It's definitely of its time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm approaching it from a much more dumbed down version. You as a, a, a musician, uh, a lyricist, you know, are, are seeing things through a lens that is probably a little bit more refined than me banging my head. Um, but I'm I'm absolutely open to appreciating it though. That's one thing that I I always try and endeavor to do is if someone can swing my opinion, I'd like it. You know what yeah. the the perfect outcome surely is to like every Bond cue. Of course it is. That's what we all want. Yeah. You'd be yeah. pretty weird if you wanted to not like something. 
So if I could, if I could yeah. see this, if I could see this song in a better light, yeah, then I will try to, and hopefully you guys will swing me by the end of this uh, end of this episode. Yeah, I, I think that I really try to get out of my own way when it comes to Bond. And I mean, it's been well documented, my initial reactions to No Time to Die. <laughs> and, and, you know, now I love the film. It's a, it's a completely different experience. And I just, I, it's one thing I do ask of everyone is, is, you know, try to confront your preconceived notion, you know, of definitely what, if something's good or shit, but if it's shit, that's cool too. I get it. Um, but don't go on lockdown, you know, be open to someone changing your mind. I think I think that's just a way to enjoy music in general. You know, yeah, if you absolutely. if you if you've got a, a, an idea of why you don't enjoy a piece of music, that's fair enough. But if someone wants to tell you why you should like it, at least listen. Do you know what I mean? Totally, totally. All right, let's cue up. If there was a man, the ballad, the love theme. Uh, let's uh, let's have a listen to that real quick. Chris, you mentioned cheese earlier. I, I did. I think, 
I, I would cite this as a prime example. Uh, <laughs> Extra mature Stilton. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to reference. <laughs> I always think of more Velveeta, but <laughs> it's pretty cheese. I don't think yeah. we would find much uh, pushback on that, but um, so it's not it's it's not my favorite track on on the album. Um, although it does, <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're being so diplomatic. I'm trying about to. It. I'm really trying <laughs> to be. You know, I'm a statesman at heart. Um, <laughs> it does remind me though, because I I, uh, I watched the film uh, with my wife Kristen uh, over the weekend, and this came on, and and I was kind of you know watching her but like not wanting her to know that I was watching to see how she reacted to this song at the end of the movie and she was just kind of staring and I was like hey what do you what do you think about this and she was like it's kind of corny and I said yeah it is and I said but does it sound like it belongs in a Roger Moore film and she said absolutely it does yeah you've hit the nail on the head yep yep there it is it's like we went back in time and, yeah, and did a Roger Moore song, and and how how you've got daylights aha, and then that next to it, it's just the contrast is unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's it it feels just very out of place. Uh, it feels it, some aspects of that song are very Bond like, um, but it just feels like maybe it's on the wrong film. No doubt about it. I mean, these guys are all getting a little older too, right? Um, and I think that you can hear some of that in, in the music of these eighties bond films. I surprise, surprise, love it. Um, I love the way the piano and the synthesizer and the vocal all intertwine. Um, uh, it just gives me a, a, a warm, a warm feeling, uh, remembering taking me back to eighties bond, but Logan, you absolutely nailed it. This was, you know, written for Roger Moore. A hundred percent, but I still dig it. The, the um, melody, the melody is beautiful. So, mm-hmm. like when you listen, like it's 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 in um, into Vienna as well. It's just when you see it like that without the vocal on. Again, it's it's it goes back to the where's everybody gone? If you take Chrissy Hind off it, it sounds fantastic. But it's just <laughs> it's just the, the thing that sort of makes me kind of cringe a little bit you're only getting the unvarnished truth here on music of bond it's yeah i i I, if you took chrissy hind off of the chrissy hind song it's fantastic i know and i know everyone's gonna sort of come at me and there's gonna be pitchforks outside the window but it's the worst bit for me is the man it's that it just does me in i can't like, I literally cannot hear it without literally feeling my body tense up with cringe. It's that approach. But but when I listen to the track, as I say, Into Vienna, beautiful, stunning. But just lob Chrissy Hind on it, and I think it it just kind of comes down slightly in my, est- in my personal that, opinion. That moment in the show where we heard the word lob. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Episode I forget. Two, we've used the word "lob." Yeah, we have Americans. I'll try and um, <laughs> I'll try and polish up my language. Oh man! Oh god! Sorry, I'll stop speaking. It. 
No, I love it. I love it. This is awesome. Um, well, guys, I you know we got three uh, theme tunes done and dusted. Uh, let's move into these tracks, and what we'll do is is let's just have a little historical rundown. I know we've all got something we'd like to add here, and then we'll we'll do a little sample of the tunes, and then talk about them afterwards, uh, and go from there. So here we are: new Bond, younger Bond, new sound, younger sound. Um, John Barry's back for the 11th time. He had just won his fourth Oscar for Out of Africa. Now, you referenced that in the last episode, Chris. Fan of yeah. his work in Out of Africa? Yeah, I, to be honest, I, I know it's so cliche to say, but just a fan of everything he does generally. Yeah. It's just yeah. beautiful. But Out of Africa is a standout score, in my opinion. Interesting. I, I can't wait for the non-Bond Barry soundtrack show because there's a couple that I just can't. I mean, they're like legalized drugs, you know. <laughs> Ipcris um, file. Yeah, Ipcris file, and, and I can't mention the other one because I'm going to get you guys with a little quiz here in a minute. Uh-oh. Uh, Logan, real quick, uh, non-Barry, uh, non-Bond Barry favorite. Oh, man. Logan's uh, very methodical. You don't have to come back to me. I don't know. Okay, he's got to think on that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, John Barry started to experiment uh, previously on the, the film The Jagged Edge, uh, which is a really good movie, actually, with Jeff Bridges and Glenn Close. Um, he was uh, described by John Burlingame, who wrote the fabulous book Music of Bond. Please go out and buy it. Uh, John called him a, quote, forward-thinking applier of modern musical technology. Hmm. And I thought, Wow. Way to go. Yeah. Um, prior to The Living Daylights, um, John Barry had been working on, you know, what was dubbed a doomed, uh, the Golden Child score, the Eddie Murphy movie, which was one of the uh, huge bombs of my childhood. Um, <laughs> you, you know, and I didn't know this, but, m- you know, most of what he wrote was discarded by the producers. They later uh, realized those tracks on a a CD and it's been hailed as a a lost Bond score. So we need to look into that. And that to me sounds like another episode of Music of Bond. Um, So for, you know, you divers out there, I bet you anything it's La La Land who issued this. I do not know that, but it sounds like something that they yeah, have their hands it's, it's in. pulled out of an archive and, and the totally. dust has been blown off it. I love when they do this. Uh, you know, the original Mission Impossible score, the original Predator score. Yeah. Um, it's always fun to, you know, do a little YouTube search. Um, uh, first, they recorded the classical music with the Austrian Youth Orchestra. Uh Marion Dabo took private lessons for only one month prior to filming. Now, in her defense, she said that wasn't enough and she wished she had more time. But can you imagine having to do scenes with a cello and about four weeks before you're rolling in front of a camera on a global phenomenal film? uh, You've got to fake that. Yeah, and knowing that musicians are going to watch you as well. So people that actually play the cello will be sort of looking at your fingers intensely. I mean, I, I think she does a pretty good job, to be honest with 100%, you. hundred percent, yeah. I'm a guitar player. I'm not a real musician. So I, 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 I didn't, <laughs> she fooled me. Yeah, yeah, same, snap. Yeah, 
Agreed. I think she did a great job. I mean, I love that movie where the you know main Hollywood actor is at the piano and then all of a sudden they cut to like in front of the piano when you can't see his hands <laughs> and you yeah. can just know from his, the way his arms are moving, like he ain't playing that. Yeah. Uh, she did, I think, a fantastic job. They actually, she actually obviously from the scene was in front of an audience and they soaked her bow so it wouldn't make any sound. Oh, oh wow. Um, yeah, I, I think that's... It's movie magic uh, right there. Pr- pretty cool. Soap to bow. I, I found out that... <laughs> that's our other podcast. Um, uh, I find that it's very interesting that the last scene where John Barry is conducting was filmed on my 15th birthday. Oh. Um, so, uh, and here's the quiz and here's the soundtrack I have become obsessed with in the last two years. I actually just paid $75 for an unopened copy, uh, online, uh, on vinyl. Uh, okay. Only once before has John Barry conducted music in a film. What was that film guys? Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to take a stab at Ipcris file. No. Ah, oh, Dances of Wolves. No. King Kong. Right, I'll out, I'll out, I'll bow out. Deadfall. Oh. Have you guys heard the Deadfall soundtrack? I, I no. Have not. Oh my God. Good. It is, it's, it's magical. And I discovered it right before I moved to Palm Springs. Someone's done two, not one, but two soundtrack suites online. And it is the ultimate uh, mid-60s uh, you know, Bond score. Shirley Bassey does the theme song. Oh man. Um, it's phenomenal. Seek you, out. So did Deadfall. you only find it recently then? Yeah. You've, well, you've stumbled I on it. it. I, yeah. I've stumbled on it online when I was literally packing my, wow. uh, where I lived in LA to move. And I was like, wait, what's this? And the theme song sung by Barry, uh, sung by, excuse me, Bassey, uh, uh, love has two faces. I mean, it sounds like it, John Barry wrote a theme song sung by Shirley Bassey and conducted the music for No Time to Die. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Um, hmm. and, and for the longtime listeners, the JBR folks, they'll appreciate this because I got it in on the first episode and I'm getting it on the second episode. <laughs> Michael Kane oh, is the star. Is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Of Deadfall. And it's just classic bastard Kane, which I could never get enough of, you know? Um, so deadfall can't wait to talk about it. Seek it out. Um, all right. So Miriam Dabo and, uh, John Barry were pretty good friends. They had, she had worked, um, on a couple of previous films that he had scored and she was quoted saying he was just a joy to be around. I remember seeing him and having dinner with him and his wife, Lori, John being so excited about writing music he was just so adorable saying your love scenes inspired me to write this romantic music. John was such a charmer with women. Sounds it. You know, sounds like he wants to soap a bow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut that one. I'll cut that one. No, no, no. You got to leave, leave that one in. That is the best. That's the highlight. <laughs> Henceforth, I mean, that is the euphemism of choice. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. 
Sorry I to, love to distract no, you. Go on. No, 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 no. I love it. I think it's fantastic. All right. 57 minutes of music were written. Two additional themes. Uh, first time uh, John Barry used synthesizer-driven rhythm tracks. Uh, I think we can all agree that after the one-two punch that was Octopussy and View to a Kill, this felt extremely contemporary. Yeah. Um, even then, he added an orchestra of 70 players. He wrote it in four weeks, which is that sort of thing blows my mind. Uh, recorded once again at CTS Wembley. Guys, think about think about that. Four weeks. I mean, I've yeah. taken four weeks to compose an email before. <laughs> that's an that's an incredible amount of yeah. work and high quality work. It I is. mean, it's not like he just put out placeholder music. No, this was. Uh, in one of the probably one of the biggest movies of that year, um, and in a film franchise that is that that music is so important, and he he did it in four weeks. That is mind blowing. And that was that was that a time constraint? Did he sort of have to get it done in the four I, weeks? I, ma- I imagine so. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. That always the, amazes it, me how they're able to pull it out the bag like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You guys are musicians, and to sit down and write, to your point, Logan, I mean, I, I, it's taken me much longer to do, you know, to get an oil change. <laughs> um, I think that time constraint and not a lot of money yeah. <laughs> made some of the best art um, in the world. Well, at CTS, there was a Studio One, which was, uh, you know, a lot of people loved, said it was a big room with a big sound. Um, I think it's interesting, too, that John Barry did incorporate the theme tune uh, into his score, but he more often than not incorporated his love theme and his villain theme more into the score. And before we jump into these tracks, gentlemen, you know, this is the end of the road for John Barry. Uh, And a lot of people, there's a lot of evidence to say that, you know, working with AHA sort of knocked it on the head whether that's true or not, you know, here's this man who created this sound for all of these films. And here we are, you know, globally connecting, um, bonding over, you know, the music that he created. And when he was done, he did one of the coolest things I've ever heard. He took out a full page ad in Variety magazine and basically saluted a quarter century of Bond and Cinema and said, quote, congratulations, Cubby. It's been a great 25 years, your friend, John Barry. Wow. Amazing. That's a class move right there. Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, guys, a lot of people, I notice, and, you know, a lot of people love the first record and then say that they, it gets diluted as they go on. I've never bought that. You know, I think things have have a tendency to get better yes there's that sort of difficult second record but a lot of people sort of write it off as you know it's things aren't as good as their first record yeah comparing everything to casino (laughs) yeah (laughs) um um you know what i mean what he didn't get better playing bond like come on i just don't buy that with more time so what a, a hell of a way to end you know his career with bond on this what i think is a real high note yeah um can I, I just, just while I've got it in my head, a little bit of a cool factoid. Please, um, you guys Tim, go. Let's yeah, Timothy Dalton, he um, he was born probably about 25 minutes away from me 
in a place called Colwyn Bay. Um, but I've got a really cool story. Um, my uh, my wife's dad's girlfriend, Keris, um, she worked at a local theatre um, in the 80s and she was a dresser. So she would sort of dress the cast as they were sort of coming on and off stage. And Dalton, just pre-Bond, um, he, he had already got the part. He knew he was going to be doing it. Um, was in this stage show and Keris was his dresser. And yeah, and at the time she was dressing him, she said he was a lovely guy. She was super, he was really, really nice to her. But there was bond negotiations happening or bond chats, I should say. Um, While he was there, while he was rehearsing, while he was backstage, there was conversations about bond happening while she was his dresser. That's very cool. That's wild. (sighs) Wow. That's got to do your head in. (laughs) tell me about it yeah wow that's incredible and he was i mean you look at him uh in daylights i mean he was he looked the part man he was just the perfect age he yeah you know had some years on him he wasn't sort of that young pretty boy that brosnan was in golden eye no you know um, (laughs) first welshman as well yeah uh, i'm from wales so he's a welshman like me yeah oh really yeah 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 interesting yeah interesting yeah, I think uh, I think he was perfect for the part, and it's a shame that he didn't get to do you know a, a, one more film at least. Um, uh, and I love that sort of that we have a bond that is coming from that you know hardcore Shakespearean yeah. you know company theater kind of guy, right? Yeah, um, who my mom loves. <laughs> really? Know? Yeah, when we do the you know the hottest <laughs> bond kind of conversation, you know, like she thinks Timothy Dalton is is it. It's the chin um, dimp. It's the dimple. He, yeah. he is high on my wife's list as well. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And I'll tell you, he looked cool as shit in Flash Gordon. You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> undeniable. So, well, guys, we are, uh, this is a monster show here. Um, let's, yeah. let's, let's do a little taste test of these tracks. Let's go track by track. Uh, Necros Attacks, the first track. Let's have a little taste.
booming in. I mean, I think this is a great way to start off the sequencing of the official album. Uh, I mean, it's just, for me, air bass all day long. You're holding it up top. You know what I mean? You've got the matching hat, jacket, and pants. Um, I, I love this song. This is the version that you can't get out of your head. Uh, I know, Logan, you and I had talked about the, 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 the horns in this. You know, what are your thoughts? I hear a lot of David Arnold's Tomorrow Never Dies in this track. Ooh. And when we get David Arnold on the show, <laughs> when, not if, when, <laughs> when, when yeah. we get David Arnold on the show, I want to ask him about this score and this track in particular. The way those horns are arranged, it reminds me so much of what he did uh, on Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, I think this track right here is the most Bond thing on the entire soundtrack score. Uh, it, it just, it is, it has the spy vibe, the growling horns. They are, uh, using one of the, uh, theme songs heavily in this. And it, uh, this one just nails it for me. Nice. Chris. I mean, yeah. Going back to where has everybody gone? I mean, it just, for me, it's chalk and cheese. I mean, cheese being where everybody's gone and then this being the good one. I think if you take... If you take the vocal off, you're left with this, aren't you? And I would, honestly, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody could convince me that this with vocals is better. I just think it's so much better instrumental. I love it. I love how it sits in the film. Um, top marks for me. So much for getting Chrissy on the show. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I've put, the only note I made on this, because I, I do make little notes and stuff, is I put sleazy. And I think mm, the brass feels sleazy yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. That, that'll be yeah. my, my parting like comment. Yeah. So now we've got sneaky, sneaky bond, loungy bond, and sleazy bond. Sleazy bond. You're and right. Cheesy bond. And cheesy bond. <laughs> <laughs> it's the four food groups uh, all right next up the sniper was a woman let's go
all right, it doesn't get any more sneaky bond than that. I mean, to me, that is classic 80s John Barry. It almost should be trademarked. Um, those strings get me every time when they hit the high notes. Uh, I mean, he's just building that, that, that slow tension that Barry does best. Chris, where are you at on this one? Yeah, I love this. I love how suspenseful, uh, suspenseful it is. It, do you know what? It reminds me, I, it's not out of, I know you're saying it's classic Barry, uh, 80s Barry, but I don't think this would be out of place in a, in a Sean film. Like I think um, mm. you only live twice. If you imagine replace, not that you would, but if you imagine the, <laughs> you know, the early space scenes with this over the top, I think that could work. I love the yeah. military snare that's underneath it. Just nice and it just reminds us there's a little bit of uh, military background to it. Um, I think it's beautiful. I think it's, I think it's, it's perfect. Agreed. Logan. I, I'm lockstep with Chris on this. I think, I mean, imagine that over top of Sean sneaking around Oregon Enterprises. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, Ooh, it, yeah. it, it, it's there. It's all there. Totally. It's, it's almost like the, the, the sound of the DNA uh, of the, you know, of the film. Um, I, I think it's fantastic. It also sort of sets the pace for the film, which is great. Um, so, all right. We're all fans of that one for sure. Yeah. And what a great title. I know. Right. Um, cause let's face it on some of these later soundtracks, uh, you know, they got a little lazy when they're yeah. labeling <laughs> these, you know, we'll, we'll have some fun with that later. Um, <laughs> I think this is, we're all unanimous on this one. And I don't just mean the three of us. I mean, anyone who's listening to this show next up ice chase.
it's all right with you, I'll leave with some of the IG comments. Um, do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's have a look. So the first one here is from John Moss 611 and he says, Ice Chase, the steady percussive opening and then the celebratory riffs. Exercise at Gibraltar follows closely. Um, we've also got Rupert Karate. Great name. Um, Ice Chase, what a fantastic marriage of classic and modern with the drum machine and synthesizers. It builds and builds and contributes a lot to make this scene one of the best car chases in the franchise. Yeah. Can't need him on the show. Wow. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, it's back to 80s goodness. Um, it's good for running to. Not that I do any running, <laughs> but if I was to run, <laughs> this is what I would run to. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it, uh, nails the, I, I like that comment a lot. The marriage of classic and modern sounds. Uh, yeah, that, that that's on point. Absolutely. I think it's one of the best musical cues for one of the best scenes in the entire series. And uh, I mean, this this tune really gives my headphones a workout. You ever take your headphones off like the good cans and they're you've <laughs> kind of sweating, you know, a little <laughs> bit speaking of working out like that's what this one does for me, you know, and, uh, you know, it can't be I mean, it has to be discussed the you know, the Bond theme, the way they yeah. weave that in. I mean, it's just, you know, when I'm listening to this as, with my reviewer lens on, I mean, I heard this and I go, well, this is going to be what the rest of the soundtracks compared to when we pick our favorite track, right? Yeah. So yeah. this one's on the money. Uh, do, do you know what I think that I love about this as well is the build, but it's that 80s snare drum that leads you totally. in. It's got that. I just love that. I think it, it, it you feel like you're sort of, uh, it's about to kick off. That's the vibe totally. I get from that snare drum. All right, next up, Kara meets Bond. I wonder what happens in this scene. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. You know, they were really working overtime with this title. Uh, let's have a listen and then we'll discuss.
get a little of that sneaky bond leading right into a little bit of love theme. Yeah. You know, it's got that light touch that John Barry does so well, which I don't think he gets enough credit for. And we certainly haven't discussed enough. You know, he is really good at writing romantic tunes. Um, and I think we all know why. I mean, this one is definitely one for the ladies. And he's a ladies man. I think so. Uh, that's been documented and God bless him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's my take on it. Gentlemen thoughts. Sure. I, I like this one. Um, I definitely like it better than, I'm going to sound like Chris here. Uh, but I do like it (laughs) without the vocals, the theme from, uh, if there was yeah. a man in here, I think that it, it, you're right. It is a very strong melody. It works really well for what they're doing here. And sans vocals, it's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, when we were talking about Necros having his theme, I mean, that melody for me is Kara's theme. I know it comes in different, you know, different versions throughout the soundtrack, but that theme is Kara. And what I really like about it is you've got that kind of ominous um, sort of Soviet intro which makes you feel super uneasy. And the transition from that into the sort of, as you say, the love theme, it's just seamless for me. It's perfect. Um, but at, right at the end of the track, I love the resolve. There's, there's, a last, there's a last note right at the end of the track and you, you, you're swept up with all of the love and then there's just this disgusting, unsteady, um, really kind of dark end note that makes you realize, ah, we're not, we're not safe. It's a very 60s Barry ending. A hundred percent. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's not resolving the way you want it to resolve. And I think it just kind of, it keeps you back up. You're kind of like, oh, okay, we're not out of the woods. Totally. I, and I think, you know, to Miriam's comments earlier, you know, he really did write a wonderful theme for her. Specifically, yeah. that character, her, the actor... You know, I think he, he nailed it. You can hear they obviously had that relationship. And so he was able to dial in this tune for her. Yeah. Um, which is great. So, um, all right. Koskoff escapes. Let's go. Thank you. 
AKA a discarded track from Moonraker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, doesn't it sound like something off of Moonraker? It does. Oh my gosh. Uh, I love it. And I love Moonraker. Um, and you know, when I hear this, it's just so, you know, without a doubt, you know, completely identifiable as music of James Bond, right? Yeah. Of a James Bond film that could not, that doesn't work. I mean, in any other film, no. Um, so I, I dig this one a lot. I think it's a perfect mood piece for the film. Um, what do you guys think? A lot of movement in this one. I mean, you, you, you've got all sorts of textures and, and vibes. It's minor, then it goes major. You get the Russian theme. Um, there, there's just a lot happening here. Uh, and it, when you listen to it, if, if you had not seen the film and you listened to this track, you would have to think, there's probably something significant happening here, but also it's taking place in a lot of different places, a lot of different people. Um, it's just not, um, it almost reminds me of a track like Happiness is a Warm Gun off the White Album. Oh, where you've got. Now we're talking, Logan. <laughs> now we're best friends. Why didn't you start with that? You started with Thomas Newman and then you bang out Happiness is a Warm Gun. We're best buds. <laughs> Go on, sorry, you carry on. So where you've got, you know, almost three or four different songs mashed together uh, that create one coherent story. And, and that's what I get from this track. No, I mean, the, the happiness is a warm gun there through me for a minute, but I'm back on, I'm back on planet Earth. Um, we, need, we need a separate conversation, Logan. We need we'll to, do it. We need to we'll geek out it. over the White Album. Of course. Um, Cos- yeah, Cost Covers Skates. For me, as, as you quite rightly said, there's a few bits that are pieced together, but at the end, there's a fanfare. And it reminds me a little bit, and, you know, you have to think outside the box a little bit, but it reminds me a little bit of a John Williams kind of Indiana Jones hero fanfare right at the end of the track. And there's nice to have a little bit more Bond theme weaving in and out. Um, I think it's one of those that could go missed and maybe people wouldn't sort of... Um, talk about it wouldn't come to tip of the tongue when they're discussing their best tracks on the album but i think it's a bit of a dark horse this one i think it's got a lot going for it awesome fantastic well into vienna and you know it wasn't until i wrote that down that i actually kind of realized that you know we're, we're riffing off of into miami so i'm I, right out of the gate ah, i'm digging this right? you know i i didn't put that together until you've said neither that. did i now i might be reading into it but that's what we do here let's have a listen
finally in my wheelhouse, some loungy bond. <laughs> now we are talking. Listen to that synth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I can almost smell uh, Timothy Dalton's aftershave. You know, <laughs> it's got that vibration. Yeah. And I, I dig it. So, and I know you two are going to be pleased because there's no vocal, as, you know, Logan pointed out. Yeah. So I, I'm a fan, guys. You know, what do you guys think? I, I love it. I think, I yeah. think to be honest, it's probably one of my top tracks on the whole soundtrack. Oh, wow. I just think it's perfect. So much better without the vocal. Um, <laughs> so much less distracting. Um, so for me, it's, uh, it's a, a, a nine out of ten. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I like it. I think Excellent. it works really yeah. well for the scene. Um, the love theme, man. Loungy Bond. Totally. You got to have that always. All right, next up, Hercules takes off. Not to be confused with Hercules in No Time to Die. Okay, that was Hercules Takes Off. I'm going to um, dig back into the IG. Um, this is one from XYZ Weaver, um, and he's put, put me down for Hercules Takes Off. Barry was the best in the business at taking refrains from a banging theme tune and reworking them in different styles with different instruments. Repeat with a tweak, repeat with another tweak, and so on. According to whatever attitude a particular scene has, it's what gave the Barry scores such a strong identity Daylight is a top seven or top eight theme tune, which makes it a monster. Yes. Wow. There's some I, love I'm in, there. I'm impressed with the people who are, are chiming in, you know, like the very smart, very intelligent. 
This is what uh, it's all about. Articulate. Yeah, I know. That's incredible. It sounds like adventure. Yeah. This track makes you this track makes you want to get up and do something. 100%. Absolutely. Want to get another cup of coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think I think from an album standpoint too, it's the perfect transition song. Um, agreed on, you know, finally, you know, he's inter, interwoven some of the main theme. Uh, I love the cello in it. I think it's beautiful. Um, all around a fan on this one. Next up, Mujahideen and Opium. <laughs> what more could you ask for on a Friday night? <laughs> All right. This one has all the makings of a sweeping epic movement, doesn't it? And you get, it's like you're listening to a landscape. Mm. 
That's how I think it of just, it. I like it's that. A, like a, I like that. Be, yeah, I do too. It's like a beautiful suite. Yeah, it's got the the sort of the repeated uh, motif there that he's working from, and he varies it a little bit from time to time, and it just feels like you're watching an epic film moment. And I think, you know, some of the shots, there's one in particular where there is some lens flare uh, uh, over top of uh, where this music is playing over top of, and it is a particularly beautiful shot. Uh, and it just it, it screams epic film moment to me. I love it. Totally. These this you know especially for you know thrillers and spy films, music is oxygen. If the music's not right, if it doesn't evoke that emotion, then you're dead in the water. And this track to me really's got that European spy thriller thing happening. You know. Yeah. Um, and I need that in my Bond, always, every Bond film, whether it's in outer space or, you know, in Northern Africa, it has to, I have to have that music. Um, no one did that better than Barry. No, no one. 100%. You know, Chris, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, funnily enough, it aligns absolutely with what Logan said. I've, I've looked at my notebook here um, and I've just put how well it complements the Afghan landscape. It's just the music. As you, I don't think I could put it better than Logan. The music sounds like a landscape. That's exactly yeah. what it sounds like. And I'm just reading one of the comments here on um, Instagram, which, to be honest, I'm, I'll be really, really um, interested to get your thoughts on this, both of you, because I know you're both um, Spectre fans. So are you ready? Let's do it. This is, this is a comment from the Quartermaster's Office. It's a beautiful piece of music, and listening back to this, I can hear similarities in Spectre with Bond and Madeline on the train. Jesus. I'll have to revisit that today. I, 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 I'm going to, yeah, I need to think on that. I uh, agree. I think you could drop yeah. this right over top of that scene and it would fit. Absolutely. Definitely. Just just Madeline walking down that train, man. Oh, oh God. And that It's that, that dress, dress, that kind of silvery Oh Yeah, I guess I'll have to oh, put that movie on tonight. Lord have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> who who is that again, Chris? Who said uh, that who? was the quartermaster's office. Okay, we might have to have him on the Spectre episode. <laughs> yeah, definitely. To elaborate on that. Um well done. All right, next up, in flight fight.
there's something so dirty about that brass. It's kind of got like a throaty... I, I mean, I can't do an impression, clearly. But it's got that kind of throaty sound to it, which sounds amazing. Um, it works really well in the film. There's, there's a part where the rear ramp opens up and then the breakdown in the tune happens. Oh, I love yeah. that. It adds great tension to it. Yeah, it's just a nice little, um, just beautiful sink in there. But for me, it's a cracker. As you know, I'm not going to be a broken record until it's better without the vocals because I know that will annoy some listeners. Um, but it is better without the vocals. So there we go. I'll hand yeah, it to I'm you guys. Gonna, I'm going to have to eat crow a little bit here because, you know, I've been going on for years uh, about how, you know, be open to your mind changing. And I think you guys, you know, something I really love the two theme songs with the Chrissy Hind vocals, but I think you have swayed me into uh, seeing or hearing that it, these are better without the vocal. Thank you for making me like those less, you know? <laughs> Well, that's why we came here today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I love that he's bringing in the baddie theme. Um, uh, but yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, the good news is, is, you know, they're not really using too much of the vocal, but um, uh, as it is in the film, these songs are, you know, these two theme songs are great. You know, yeah, uh, something that I noticed uh, on a recent listen through to this track was that at the very beginning so they're they're borrowing he borrows heavily from where is everybody gone but at the very beginning there's a subtle touch of the living daylights theme at the beginning Ooh, and they're okay. they're yeah they are interspersed you know playing over top of each other it's very very cool it's very subtle uh but it's a it's a it's a it's a neat uh nod to both melodies and it just shows shows the genius doesn't it let's be honest 100 percent, without a doubt well gentlemen this is uh you know i've i've already broken a major promise and the show is extremely long uh whenever you see deep dive in the show title you know <laughs> it's going to be exactly that <laughs> we are going to go on i mean how can you not so uh, this is uh, The Living Daylights done and dusted. It's John Barry done and dusted. Um, I, think, I think we should save our feelings on John Barry for the John Barry episodes. 100%. Um, um, but I, wh what an I've incredible got a, man. I've got a question just, just for you guys, just, just your opinion. What, how do you feel about the sequencing of the album being out of kilter with the, with the film? Are you happy for it just to be sequenced so that it's a better listen, or would you rather it be sequenced so it follows the film? I would, I would rather it be sequenced in the order of the film. Yeah, it's a bit jarring. It, it is, but I will say, um, as I've been listening to this over the last couple of weeks, I've gotten really accustomed to the way that it's sequenced on the original release, yeah. and I don't really notice it anymore. Uh, it's almost kind of comforting to know like, okay, well, I know this is coming up next and, uh, but the, it's its own yeah, beast. Yeah. It's, it, it's an interesting, t it kind of almost in a way breathes new life into it. J dubs. Well, you know, I love, I love them both ways. You know, uh, I love the, having them sequenced in the film, which to Logan's point at the top of the show helps me, you know, revisit the, the show, excuse me, revisit the film more often. But I think if 
someone, the composer or someone has taken the time to out of sequence, sequence an album for album's sake, especially on vinyl, like here's side yeah. one, here's side two. I dig that. In my mind, I want to think that's what they've done. That's probably not what's happened. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. I mean, yeah, certainly in the 60s, 70s schools, it would have been, it would have been sequence of vinyl, wouldn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I love that, that, that methodical sequencing, you know, I, I think it was, I forget who said it, but you know, uh, not agreeing on the sequencing of an album is justification for a band to break up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like that is, re if a band breaks up and they say, well, why did you break up? Because we couldn't agree on sequencing. I yeah. go, good, good for you. Cause it's too important. You know, um, yeah. I listen to albums, um, not just a song. I've been in bands that have broken up over less than that. So, Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I like it both ways, but this is one I definitely, you know, when I listen to it, a lot of times I get the expanded edition, start at, you know, the Gibraltar track and then listen to this, that, and then start at the beginning. So, yeah. um, I mean, this is a monster of, of, a expanded edition, yeah. which yeah. we'll touch on more real quick. Gentlemen, favorite track, Logan, the sniper was a woman. Uh, this one sticks out to me every time I listen to it and it's, you know, it's suspenseful, sneaky bond, and it just reminds me of sixties Barry. Excellent. Chris. Into Vienna. Well, I'm going to go with ice chase. I just can't. I mean, it's a number one and then a, a close second is into Vienna. Um, but I agree with you, Logan, uh, having, you know, prepped this for the show, the sniper was a woman really jumped out at me as well. Um, well, gentlemen, uh, let's land this thing. Um, this has been incredible. Uh, we have so much exciting content for you guys. Um, uh, forgive us as we take flight and we work out the details. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. well done. Um, uh, this show is all about you guys. Please reach out on your thoughts. We want to hear from you. You know, follow us at Music of Bond on Instagram. Reach us at Music of Bond at Gmail. Um, next up, we will be discussing in depth, uh, no time to die the songs. So we're going to do a little deep digging to find these songs, put them together. Promise we'll have that Spotify up and running by then. And we'll also be giving credit where credit is due. Who's already done this work, uh, for us, um, compiling these tracks, but I'm really excited about this one. Um, Logan, Chris, uh, yeah. Thank you for being my buddy. Good times. <laughs> for my buddies. Yeah. <laughs> and lovely to meet this you as great. well, Logan. What, what a great one to start on. Absolutely. Good to meet totally. you. Totally. Thank, thank you guys for all listening. And as promised, let's, uh, we're going to take you out with AHA, The Living Daylights, Unplugged.
your hopes are way too 